You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Rightfully so, many of us are very concerned about returning to the dental office during this COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'll be discussing how important it is to take precautions and pre-plan in order to protect staff and patients. Our guest, Shannon Pace Brinker, is a national and international speaker and published author of over 300 articles. She has been practicing as a dental assistant for over 25 years. In addition, over the past six years, she has taught over 2,000 classes on dental assisting technique with over 60,000 dental assistants as her students. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, Today's sponsor, I'm proud to say, is Cranberry, a world leader in premium infection control items and quality PPE, which, of course, is in high demand and obviously very, very important to have in your practice at this point. Shannon, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk today. Well, thank you so much for having me. In light of this crisis, what changes are you planning to make or have you already made with your practice? Well, the first thing is, is uh, we had to really assess all the supplies we had in our office. Um, I think that was probably one of the things that we actually did best. Um, But I I know that talking with some of my fellow colleagues that are assistants that um, really encouraging them to definitely go through all the supplies that they have and most importantly, making sure that that they are ready with the personal protective uh, equipment because we know right now that you know things have definitely changed. So what we had uh, before was norm. Now we're living in the the new norm, right? So we have to be prepared before I think we go back. What do you think is going to change in regards to PPE? We obviously have used PPE before this whole thing, but what's different now? And what are the dentists and staff and 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 everybody else involved in running a dental practice? What do they need to know at this point? Yeah, I think what is the most important thing is really having a checklist, not only for the team, because we've all been so distant from each other. And one of the things that we know is um, some practices where they've stayed connected and there's some that there's been no connection while this all is going on and we're all at home. So um, if there's anything I can encourage dentists to do that are listening is right now, if you have not had conversations with your team, you need to do that. Most importantly, I think for the team, they need to feel uh, still needed, right? And it is a team atmosphere, but I'd say uh, talking to your team and having protocols. That's something in dentistry we don't have enough of. We just assume things instead of really writing things down. And I think the protocols first for patients and the protocols for ourselves. Um, and I think that's what we feel is really missing the most right now is creating those protocols. And where should they get that information to make sure that those protocols are exactly what they should be doing? Well, first of all, there is um, some checklists and toolkits from the ADA. Um, And then I will tell you that, you know, we've kind of just filled in the blanks, you know, with things that we felt that they may have missed. Um, And most importantly, being realistic of things that we can do. Um, And I feel like that's something we is twofold. We, We definitely need to understand as a team member things that are laid out or we're going to forget. And I think as um different roles, assistants, team members that work up front, and then also the hygienists. A lot of our checklists will probably be a little bit different because of the fact of what we're doing, the procedures. But uh, but I do think that I always refer right now, I'm getting so many questions, so many emails, phone calls. Um, I refer back to the ADA and also the CDC guidelines, right? Because we know in dentistry, we want to make up our own things. And uh, we just got to be real careful with that and make sure that we are following that protocol. So the best place to get this information, you think, is the ADA website as far as guidance regarding PPE versus what we were using before and what changes we're going to be having now. And I guess also the CDC, would that be also a good place to go? Yes, absolutely. And OSAP. 
OSAP, OSAP too. Yeah, Don't leave them out. I know OSAP has specific guidelines for the dental profession, and the ADA obviously would. Does the CDC have specific guidelines for dentists? They do. They actually had to, I think, because they had almost like forgotten about us. But then I think there was so much turmoil. We were, a lot of doctors were, you know, writing letters to them. So absolutely. And, uh, and that only came out just a few weeks ago. So yes, but I think all three of those, because, uh, you know, there are some things that are on the ADA website that really pertain to us that might not be on the CDC, um, just some of those gaps. But most importantly, um, we've also got to look towards OSAP with those protocols as well, because, again, it's such a big organization that uh, it's just another way of, of gathering that information. So OSAP.org, I think, is the website, right? Yes, sir. And that's mm-hmm. so you're using that as a reference. So you would go to the website and then do they have these checklists all laid out for you pretty easily based on the role in the in the office? They really do. Um, I will say that as far as downloads and checklists, that's probably the most robust place right now. Um, and then uh, and then just getting ideas for products and materials. I feel like that's one of the other things because so many products are in practices and we thought that that was a good product that would also kill a lot of these uh, things we really want to take care of. Um, and uh, what we're finding is a lot of those materials were not really doing the things that it said it did. And so we really got to look at, it, you know, especially if we're diluting um, solutions, you know, sometimes we don't read, which you already know, Phil. So uh, just we want things to really make sure that we're doing our due diligence to protect our patients, but most importantly, protect ourselves. So I think just looking at all the materials, looking at all the products that you're utilizing, but having that checklist of what product is the right one. Um, and, and really, OSEP has all of those um, te- uh, all those downloads and checklists that we need. So what additional supplies are needed that weren't really utilized before? Oh, my gosh. I think um, one of the things that's probably the most important is a lot of times we would see team members with just short sleeve shirts on, not really wearing lab coats. You know, they would say, hey, I'm, I'm washing my hands or washing my arms. You know, uh, that will just not fly now. You know, we really and truly have to have protective outer garments. But most importantly, we've got to have inner garments. You know, we really got to pay attention to the aerosols for the assistant because we're used to that spray coming out of that handpiece. Uh, directly, you know, but again, we didn't really think about what was coming out in the air. Um, So I feel like, you know, one of the things we really need to make sure of is that we really practice the ergonomics because, you know, we know we're supposed to sit in a certain place on the clock and so is the doctor, but sometimes those doctors move around. Suction devices, HVEs, the slob ejector is probably going to be a thing of the past because it's just not going to suck up the aerosols that we're talking about. Um, and I think one of the things that nobody is utilizing um, is rubber dam, you know, and we think about probably 6% of the population use rubber dam. Well, now's the time we got to learn how to use the rubber dam and put it on effectively and most importantly, put it on properly because um, it's just one form of, of, I think, protection that we don't really use. So a face guard, uh, that's obviously going to be something that's going to be pretty standard now, right? I mean, with almost every procedure, every person that's in that operatory is to have Absolutely. Yeah, either oh my an, gosh. A, a very high level mask underneath. And we'll talk about that next is the right level of mask that we need. Were dental offices using that uh, regularly at all before you know, this? Can, can I be really honest with you, Phil? Um, this is probably one of the one of the most important things right now. But one of the scariest things I think that I'm hearing, I mean, I did a poll yesterday with some of the assistants that are in my chat room it is scary to see the numbers and and these assistants will tell you pretty much everything because they're scared you know and 
Um, I can't tell you how many of the level one masks are being utilized and they know that they're supposed to go back and some of them are scared to go back and some of them are not going back based upon the proper protection that is being supplied by the practice. And so I would tell these doctors, please, you know you can't work without us. Um, give us the proper uh, PPE to really help protect us. But most importantly, you know, if you're not, I'm not so sure your assistants and your team is going to want to come back. And and it's important. You know, we got to protect ourselves and our family and family comes first, you know. So um, I can't tell you how many assistants are saying, Shannon, we're using a level one mask. He's not even looking at the mask and also looking at the outer garment. So we really got to look at that. These supplies that need to be ordered, they should be ordered now, obviously, right? Because what you want to do is set the office up during this period. If they're not already starting to go back, the dental healthcare providers, they will be going back shortly. Um, and it probably not seeing as many patients as they were before, obviously, they're going to probably be doing some sort of protocol where they bring them in from the parking lot or, or one at a time in the waiting room. I'm not really sure who's designing that whole protocol, or is that just whatever dental practice decides to do to try to comply with whatever the state is asking for. Are there regulations about getting patients into the office one at a time and dealing with that? Well, I would tell you, Phil, it's so loosey-goosey. I, I, I would tell you that you, you hear so many doctors that are doing this. You hear so many practices that are doing that. Um, everybody's kind of making up their own mind. Um, and again, the states don't really have you know a unanimous way of us taking care of these patients. It's all over the place. And Right now, everybody's a speaker, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's bad because there's so many webinars right now that everybody is a consultant, everybody is a speaker, and we know that is not true. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the things that we can say is you, there is no such thing as going overboard right now. Um, I was listening to uh, Jason Lipskin yesterday and was talking about how hot it was. It was like 100 degrees in his office because he's got you know, an N95 mask, then he's got a level three mask on top of it. And and then talking about the outer garments. And most importantly, there's no real protocol. What do we do with the outer garments? Are we supposed to change them after every patient? Are we supposed to keep it until it's soiled? And um, I think that's what is scary. But I can tell you, I ordered um, a face shield, even though I do wear a level three mask and I always have. Um, and uh, it was on back order for five weeks five weeks. And so if we think about going back June 1st, which a lot of practices are praying that they are, if not before then, order it now, because it's going to take three to four weeks to get these items into your office. And the last thing you want to do is for them to say you can go back and you can't because you don't have the proper protective. Right. Does Cranberry, the sponsor of this podcast, provide all those uh, types of items that we're talking about for PPE? Absolutely, they do. And and one of the things that I can say about Cranberry is um, that I've been using their products for many, many years. And, uh, and, and I don't really and truly have to worry about, first of all, the gloves that I'm utilizing because I use all nitro gloves for everything um, and always have. And, uh, and I see a lot of team members that are saying, should we double glove? Well, you need to double glove if you're using an off-brand cheap glove, you know, but the one thing I know is that, that glo their gloves are top quality, high end. The other thing is they really have so many different masks right now that really meet that criteria. You at least feel that you are um, protected. But the most important thing too is do you know how to put it on? And that's one of the things that Cranberry provides is, you know, donning, right? Putting the right thing on first, you know, following that protocol. But most importantly, how do you take it off? And what levels are you using to be compatible with protecting yourself? Some of the gloves that they have and also the mask, and you know, they've got lanolin 
Uh, they've got vitamin E in it. You know, it, it, they just really go that extra mile to make sure that they're comfortable. But most importantly, they are protected. But they also know that when we take them off several times a day, you know, you, you want to feel comfortable knowing that you're not going to have any dermatitis or anything like that uh, for the long haul. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when you talk about the right level of mask, so you were using a level three before the crisis as an assistant, right? And you're like, yes. So, and you're doing a lot of stuff in the office. You're, you're, um, the most, ex if there's a word for you, I don't know, super, super assistant or something. Um, uh, besides the fact that you teach and develop protocol and, and impressions and you have, it's just amazing the stuff that you do in your practice and what, what you've developed uh, over the years. So if you feel comfortable with a level three, are you going to st stay at that or are you moving toward a N95? You know, I, I will tell you that, um, m my favorite mask that they have is the, the carbon mask. Um, uh, I, that is, is, is actually fairly layered when I say that. I mean, it, it breathes. Um, I think, you know, wearing a shield and having that, I really feel protected. I, I will tell you, I have not, I had a friend of mine give me an N95 mask and I was like, I almost worry about how I'm looking to the patient, you know, but if I have something that is secure and I know that um, it fits around my face, I don't have to worry about things getting in it. Um, I'll be honest, well, I, I feel very, very protected. And, uh, and most importantly, I feel comfortable, right? I feel sorry for some of these people. I'm hearing these things going on and I'm like, why don't you just switch to the cranberry? You know, why even take that chance? Um, uh, first of all, not feeling good all day long, but most importantly, chap in the face because some of these feel like sandpaper. Um, and uh, and then just feeling that way, knowing that, uh, that it is a level three, you know, and that it is protective and that's so the reputation. So you're okay with level three with a face guard. Is that the terminology for a face guard? A face shield. Face shield. Face mm -hmm. shield. Face okay. Shield. What about negative airflow? Uh, I've seen window fans in. Now, not all offices have windows that open, but if you could put a window fan in, that's pulling the air out. So as it comes in through your AC or whatever, your ventilation, it gets pushed out the window. But not everybody has a window that can open. So what are you doing about that? Anything? There's like three or four different brands right now that everybody's going crazy over. And it's it's inexpensive. We think about it, $600 to now granted it can go up to three or four thousand but six hundred dollars um and what's funny is uh it's not really funny but um oh my gosh 20 years ago i worked in a practice in charlotte and my doctor already had one of those and we always called it the worm because that's what it looked like uh to remove any vapor because he was one of the first doctors to have a laser and uh you know back then we would laugh about this thing you know we're like okay he tells turn it on we turn it on but we really didn't know what it was doing uh, it's amazing how, you know, this has kind of come full circle. Um, but I, I will say the other thing is we've got to think about, you know, how close these patients are. The people that I worry the most for are orthodontists and um, and also these pedodontists because these chairs are open bay and they're so close to each other. And uh, that's one of the things I'm hearing the most right now from assistants is, hey, how can we be more compliant? You know, looking at the six feet away from each other. Some are doing every other chair. So I think the filtration, but most importantly, just being smart, you know, just not jumping in full, full, you know, I guess the full Monty, right? Looking at your schedule. The other thing is, is, you know, if you're not going back for a few weeks, look at your schedule and 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 change some of that. Um, I was watching a webinar on Friday where they were talking about, you know, really staying engaged with your patients, um, you know, maybe doing videos on Facebook or whatever. But most importantly, letting the patient know that you want them safe. And then people are more inclined to believe you, but most importantly, understand. And I think that's right now probably the best thing about the world is everybody understands because we're all going through the same thing. So as far as hygienists go, they use a lot of ultrasonics. Are they going to be moving more towards hand instrumentation? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think every hygienist is, and um, you know, and, and it's going to be tough, you know, because we've heard for years, you know, how hard it is on the wrist and so many um, hygienists, you know, that have suffered from carpal tunnel. Um, but I will tell you that uh, now it's going to be very, very selective polishing um, and hand scaling. And if patients need more than that, um, they may have to wait until we really know what is the norm, right? So um, I feel like also looking at the schedule and really spreading out those patients um, and not overdoing it for the hygienist, you know, because again, I'm an assistant, but I do have friends that are hygienists and, you know, all of us have to really think about the time, you know, not rushing. With all the people that you speak to as far as dental assistants go, what percentage of them are actually so fearful that they're not going to go back until either there's a vaccine or there's some more understanding of of how this might spread as dentists return to their office? Oh, Phil, you, you know what? You, you asked me the right question because I got to tell you, um, this is scary numbers. And I, and I don't want to be honest with you. You know, a lot of assistants feel like right now they're getting paid more to sit at home than going back to their office, which is scary. You know, but they're telling me like, Shannon, I make more money sitting at home right now. But I'm like, yeah, but you know, that's going to run out. And then what are you going to do? Uh, because if you don't, you know, you think about that, you know, doctors going to, they can't wait around. They can't really work without an assistant. So they're not going to do that. Um, but I will tell you that out of my um, chat room, which is a small chat room, I and mean, we just started 103 assistants. So they're not, they, they're not, you know, they're making more money right now. So they're not really off to, you know, really jump in and go back. Um, and then, you know, I think I got 82 that want to return because they love their job, but they are really, really scared. And um, and then 64 of those assistants said they're not going back because the doctor won't provide the proper protective equipment. Mm, wow. And it's like, oh, my God, 64. That's 64 practices right now. Think about it. 64 yeah. practices that are not going to have assistance. And I'm sure it's magnitude more and more. Right. So. Uh, and then, you know, I've got about 15 of those systems that said, hey, I'm hanging up the hat. I'm, I'm going to find another profession. And that's when it makes me sad. Right. Yeah. Because that to me hurts my heart to know that assistants are ready to hang it up because we have the best profession in the world. And I, I just think, you know, doctors, please make sure your team is protected and and be in touch with them. You know, I can tell you, my assistant said I haven't heard from him one time. And it's going on five weeks. Not call me not one time. Maintain the communication with your staff. That's important. Yeah. And if the practice takes the time to fully build up their armamentarium of infection control products or items and PPE and have all that stuff locked and loaded in their practice, and then they communicate that with their staff and say, listen, I know you're coming back in next week and I know you're nervous, but here's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to be emailing you the protocol and this is how we're going to be wearing our protective equipment. And this is how we're going to dispose of it. Maybe they won't dispose of it on every patient and they have ways of disinfecting it, but whatever. There's got to be some sort of leader there in each practice that makes the assistant and the hygienist and the front office staff and the back office staff all feel comfortable about returning to the practice. Otherwise, fear will continue to get the best of them, right? Absolutely, Bill. Yeah. You, you on the head. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything else. It's like, uh, you know, when you're in the military, you need a leader to give the troops confidence that they're going up the right uh, path there. It's it's a very sad situation. And, you know, also a lot of the, um, I would think, I'm not 100% sure, but I would think that dentists that are getting near retirement that maybe only have a couple of years left are just going to say, I'm done. There's no way I'm going to spend my last two years trying to comply with this type of uh, stringent. It was not that the infection control protocol is 
unbearable. It can be done. I mean, if people put their minds to it, they can do this. But if you're not used to it and you've already been struggling with just the regular infection control protocol from pre-COVID-19, this is kind of overwhelming. I hope those doctors would not do that because, you know, we're such a, a relationship business and we love our patients. I think, you know, one of the things I am seeing is a lot of practices that know this is hurt hurt their office is even, you know, uh, giving space to another doctor, you know, and, and I was really shocked to see that. I know what's happening right now in New York. And listen, I, I think it's a great idea. I mean, you know, there's so much dentistry for everybody. And if you can help each other, I've seen a lot of practices, you know, rent out one of their ops, you know, for those doctors right there that just say, man, I can't go back, but giving them at least a, an option, you know, because again, dentistry is a relationship and we do care about each other and care about right. our patients. For those that are going back now or in the next uh, few days or weeks, what critical advice can you offer them about returning to their dental practice? I think, again, going back to that checklist and, and listen, it's going to drastically change on the first day, right? We're going to forget things and um, have to make additions to that. And uh, and then, you know, just again, looking at the schedule, but you got to have a system. You know, we can't get upset with each other. And that's when things fall through the crack. And that's when we make mistakes. So have a system, you know, and thinking about how you're going to take care of your patients and most importantly, how you're going to protect your team. But again, patients won't be upset with us knowing. I think they'll actually be uh, more aware, but most importantly, they will appreciate the practice more knowing you've put protocols in place. So um, I would say you got to do both and uh, and having your team fill in the blanks. The doctor can't do it all on their own because a lot of times you know, they've been, they're working on patients, right? They don't know. Um, the whole flow of everything and what can they do. So doctors depend on your team to fill that in and let us have a voice too. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Well said. So Shannon, thank you so much uh, for your insight here. And anybody that wants to uh, get more information about cranberry, you can just Google them, cranberry as the fruit. Um, and I do know the people that are from the corporate level and they're very nice people and they stand behind their product and they'd be happy to provide you with any more information about cranberry products. So look them up on Google and find out. I believe they're sold through all distribution. So uh, again, thank you for your sponsorship, Cranberry, and thank you, Shannon, for your insight. And we hope to have you on our podcast or webinar soon. Thanks so much. Thank you.